But yeah, also some interesting stuff happening in Australian politics for those who yeah, are who following, follow. mm. following that. So let's show that we've got a bit of breadth, a bit of range. All right, so you can talk about that because I'm not that interested <laughs> or knowledgeable. Oh, no, it's just been interesting, Um, yeah, work kind of, yeah. It's all happening, I feel. So just it's talk a, a little bit about um, transitional time. What's it called? The place? Aston. Aston. Aston Martin. Aston Martin. Um, yeah, no, just interesting, the results of the by-election, um, which if people didn't know, it's the first time in over a century that an incumbent government has won a by-election. So that's very interesting. Australia-wide. Australia-wide, yes. Mm. And um, it's the Alan Tudge seat. Yeah, which mum was very. I, yeah, I'm like. That's when I know, you pricked up. You're I know, like, okay, I've my got ears something pricked to up. I know. Yeah, I know this man's name, and I know that he had an affair with a staffer, or alleged. Actually, got to be careful. There was an alleged affair with a <laughs> Alan staffer. Alan Tudge is listening, waiting to sue. It won't be Alan himself. It'll be Alan's people, who are also probably Christians' people, and also probably, what's the rapist's first name? Um, the guy, oh, oh, yes. What's his first name? What is it? Who are also probably people and they've just got their fingers on the trigger ready to shoot out defamation legal letters to anybody who crosses their path. So they will be using, they will be using AI bots to be scanning all the all the internet, all the podcasts, and they will find us. So we've got to say alleged. Yeah, and that will save us. Saying alleged and then it's no problem. They will not come for us. And then if they do still come for us, then we'll just take it down. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, anyway, interesting stuff happening demographically. It's just I think as a younger person, it's been a long time, mm. I feel, that – We've been, you know, waiting for a shift in politics to reflect the demographic of mm. younger voters, and it's finally happening. Mm, the boomers good. are finally dying. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but you know what I mean? They've held so much economic and yeah. political power for yeah. so long. Yeah. And it's just, it's really interesting. It's right. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm not a boomer. No, it's, it's not nice to be like, if anyone's finally dying. You know what I mean? It's just because people's grandparents. grandparents. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, get out of here. No, but, you know, like, well, not my grandparents. I'll no, say they that didn't, much. No, they didn't. <laughs> they're um, not liberal voters. They're not liberal voters and they don't have five houses. No, exactly, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so see, I like the policies when it, you know, it benefits me. Yeah, um, right. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd be a bit more courteous if there were five houses. Um, No, but I also, you know. <laughs> a bit more hypocritical then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I really embrace that double standard a lot more. Um, uh-huh. No, but it's it's one of those things where it feels like even with this, the system's not going to change enough or quickly enough. <gasps> mm. So you better hope you have five houses, otherwise good luck to you. No. You yeah. know, and I think that's, that's the hard thing. Um, you know, yeah. Anyway, like. Ad- addressing the the housing crisis with, I think they just like passed Labor just passed a law and it's something like five hundred million over five years p- to build thirty thousand houses for you know people who who in, who need it or who are at risk and it's like 
that's such a small like that's good. It's better than nothing. It's it's nothing. It's like such a small after number. watching Succession, five hundred mil is nothing. And you know Connor talks about a hundred mil, and he said they say it's nothing. It's it's nothing when you're talking about something like that. That's no. Infra- and over five infra- years. On the, the infrastructure level, over five years. And like they should be talking billions, not millions. And that's what the Greens are saying. It was like, we want five billion. Yeah. And it's like, oh, and I was listening to um, the Pirate Room podcast and I think Laura Tingle was like, well, that's just like, that's never going to happen. And it's like that kind of mentality of like, it's just not going to happen, right? We're yeah. not going to do that. That's just never going to happen. And yeah. it's like, if we can put billions towards submarines that we're not going to get for another fucking 20 years. And may never get. And may never get and may never even need to And which use. is maybe just a fund transfer, you know, like well, a exactly. prop, let's prop up the American economy. Well, or- absolutely. Um, and it's like, okay, great, wonderful. So if you can find money for that, and I just don't understand because everyone's always like, Governments, no matter what their ideology, will never cut defense. They'll never cut defense. They'll never cut defense. And I'm like, but what? which people voting for them want that? I don't get it. No, I don't get it. Because I, I, I've not talked to one person who's like, we need more defense. Like, I just no, don't understand no. it. No, it, I, it makes I don't, no sense. I, maybe it's just bullshit. I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, maybe it's like they don't want to be the government that cuts defense and then suddenly we get invaded and they're dealing with a war. Like I kind of get so it's it. it's the status quo. Uh, probably. And yeah. they always feel like they need to put, like that's the problem with defense is te- technologies go out of date yeah. and then you've got to keep, you know, buying stupid nuclear submarines that mm. are just going to like, anyway, it's ridiculous. So anyway, but interesting times. We will see what happens. Very interesting Times. I'm hoping the Liberal Party just dies yeah. because they're unable to evolve and then we just become a two-party system between Labor and the Greens. Labor becomes yeah. the Conservative and then the, ones. And then the Indies, you know. Like, do you think the independents have killed the Liberal Party? Well, it's definitely put them into an existential crisis mm. where they're having to like, and they're not actually, but they need to be reviewing mm. who are their voter base because it is dwindling. Mm. really 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 quickly yeah the issue with the independence is like they can't ever form a government unless they do create their own political party like they will never yeah. become prime minister they'll never become ministers but the more that there are the more that the actual government of the day has to negotiate yeah. with them and take into their cons- you know their concerns into their policy but the issue as well is that a very weak liberal party leaves them super vulnerable to extremism do you think and now we're in, like, now we're just in the ABC studios. Yeah, yeah, we're political doing, hour. Yeah, this is uh, um, the party room. So, do you Jenny think? Do you think most independents uh, f- f- would have formerly been Liberal Party members? Like, do you think it's the Liberal Party who've lost most kind of potential party members or MPs or whatever to the independent way of way of you know, to the independent way rather than the ALP. Mm. I look. I'd have to see. You know the <clears throat> numbers. The number. I'd have to review the data. But I think both have lost. But I think because the <clears throat> Liberal Party has not updated their policies or views on women mm. within their own party, they've lost a lot of really talented women because they've been reluctant to pre-select them or support yeah. them or put them in safe seats, and. Same with climate, you know what I mean? And so you've got places like Kuyong, which is, you know, traditionally a liberal, safe seat, Mm. right? Like it is got all of the characteristics of wealth and, you know, that kind of um, 
yeah, inherited wealth and, and, you know, it's a very affluent suburb. And for them to have voted away from the Liberal Party is really fascinating. And maybe Monique Ryan, if the Liberal Party 10 years ago had started to evolve and change in the way it should have, would have become a Liberal Party candidate. Hmm. Maybe, I don't know. But, and you know, there's quite a few of, yeah, the, the teal women that you would see. Like one of them, I think she's a third-generation politician, you know what I mean? Her father and her grandfather were MPs and in government. can't remember who. Um, but you know what I mean? So these aren't, and this is also one of the criticisms of them is they're not, you know, working class women of color who are coming from disadvantage. They're all of them, you Mm -hmm. know, coming from a lot of privilege. So would be, you would imagine kind of what you would think an ideal kind of modern female liberal candidate would look like. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I do think the liberals have just not, They've just not taken the opportunity to mm. really utilise, I think, what they could. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think the ALP has done a lot better at making sure they move with the times and the, one of the ways they do that is quotas. You know, mm. they have quotas. Mm. They have to have a certain number of women. They have to have a certain number of diverse people, people of colour. And, yeah, there's a real, like – Whereas the and then it becomes culture, then it becomes yeah, the standard, and, exactly, and it sets the template yeah. and things are followed, and then you probably could remove the quotas, like in a literal sense, and maybe and exactly it would that, make a difference that's the ideal, after time, right? Like in yeah. society, that's always the ideal, but until you're also addressing the kind of the factors that you know inequality factors that happen at birth, yeah, you you probably yeah. need quotas, right? But it's really interesting. I didn't know that the two parties have com- two completely different systems of um, how they structure themselves, how they s- hand out ministerial positions, how they, like, pre-select. The Liberal Party is very top-down. Mm. Whoever is the leader mm-hmm. picks, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like they're like a glorified king and they choose yeah. who's doing what or where. And so there's a lot of favours and, you know, pref- you know favouritism and whatever, Whereas the Labour Party, it's a lot more kind of democratic and they've got a lot more kind of regulations and stuff mm. in place. I once heard, interestingly, a little, little bit of gossip that a very high up Victorian politician, some would say maybe the highest Victorian politician, <laughs> oh. um, wonder who would have wanted career-wise to make the move federally and like potentially, you know, move into kind of leadership of the Labour Party or maybe go for PM one day or whatever but essentially knows that that's unlikely due to the fact that he is, you know, a white male, right, and there's a lot of people Mm. in front in terms Mm. of kind of qualifying for more of those, like, you know, diversity factors or whatnot who would get preference over him. From within the party. From within the party and we get that support, which is very interesting. Which is like, yeah, if you look at the Labor Party, if the next person who who leads the Labor Party should be. A woman. a woman of color, yeah. At the yeah. very, at yeah. the very least, a woman, if not, yeah, a woman of color. Like, mm. I love that we've got Albanese, who's you know the first kind of, you know, first prime minister to not have an Anglo surname and to come from housing commission and you know a lower mm. socioeconomic background. Um, but yeah, they kind of need to mm. step it up after that. I think it needs yeah, to sure. Keep, uh, keep evolving or progressing. Um, but yeah, I thought that was very interesting. That is interesting. Gossip there, and the um. Back to the Liberal National Party, I mean the Nationals, they've, they've had a kind of probably 
more, uh, in some ways, challenging history in terms of the blending or the amalgamation of mm. the Liberal Party and the National Party and having to be kind of a coalition. Yeah, a coalition and having that enmeshment but also having to keep both sides happy or working together in a way that the ALP hasn't had to. And maybe Mm. it was fine for the glory years, so-called, or for, you Mm. know, when people were living off the fat of the land and da-da-da-da-da. And then things just started getting really real. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it's interesting because the fact that that has had to happen it's quite fascinating that the Liberal Party needed the nationals and essentially like the rural country vote to mm. form a government is really interesting. And we're seeing so much kind of transition and change with that, with renewables and like how we're, you know, looking at our resources and stuff like that. Um, and I was actually at work the other day, heard that they did this study of like happiness, but in ter- for each country, but in terms of how, like what the conversion of resources to happiness is Mm. and like Australia is the most inefficient country because the way we use our resource like we're relatively happy as people Mm. but what we have to do for that is really really high and we are using our natural resources at like an alarming rate Um, and something like Colombia they're really happy people and they they don't get their happiness from like the consumption of stuff that it's from like community and like site because they mm. actually have very little right they live with very little whereas australians mm. are happy but it's like we have we consume so much for that happiness and i just think that's really fascinating because i think we're slowly having to reconcile with the fact that this country was set up you know in a, by c- colonialists to come here and take the resources that was the whole point of why you know the british came and settled here was to pillage the resources and to take that back, you know. To See, that's not in the that's not in the public consciousness. Like I would say, most people would think it was to settle the convicts, <laughs> not settle the convicts, but to create yeah an outpost, a settlement. Like the resources, other than land or kind of maybe um, you know. Uh, arable land where you can sort of have some sort of agriculture and and stock and that sort of thing but not when you say resource i mean that and that is a resource but when you say resources do you mean things like well, the first minerals was and gold yeah yeah and we had gold rushes and yeah. you know what i mean like they had but that was after settlement invasion sure absolutely but i i think like okay so you got england you know mid to late 1700s you're starting the industrial revolution which needs resources right like Mm. it needs iron it needs coal it needs you know what i mean like that's when you start really consuming things Mm. for machinery and for production and that kind of stuff you've got a a land that has already at that point been very settled and urbanized and you know what i mean Mm. all every it's not big Uh, it's being used you know and then you're you're like okay well already you've kind of got empire which started you know happened earlier and the first resources that was being used in an empire way were slaves and the resource of people and then yeah yeah i don't think like coming to australia i think if they like came here and it was an absolute desert barren wasteland where no one could produce anything or do anything or dig anything up or you know there were no trees that could be sold as timber or you Mm. know what I mean I don't think that there would have been a settlement like Mm. and I think that that kind of consumptive look at our country is still very much 
in how we look at it and mm. is it in our society and that's in our, our mentality and the fact that we still have a government who is not stopping any new gas or coal projects, you know, and they have the data. They know what it's like and I understand that no government wants to take the economic hit but if they put all that money that they put into their goddamn submarines into renewables and transitioning society, like communities that mm. are dependent on coal and gas to new you know, income streams, we we could do that. We'd be done. Mm, It'd yeah. be done. And we'd mm. be on our way to maybe not reaching 3.5 warming, you know, like, yeah. Is it 3.5 now? Yeah, that's apparently what we're heading for. And over 2.5, you're pretty fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it's just, it's become, <laughs> you know, it's become token. It's become? Token. What? You know what I mean? Like any environmental climate stuff that governments are doing it's very token it's yeah, like, yeah by 2040 we'll have reduced emissions by 20 and it's like mm. if you're doing that 40 years ago sure maybe that's enough but you know yeah anyway my rants <laughs>